we don't normally have that in Macon. We used to be, we were in Michigan for about nine years, and you could have that there. Uh, you didn't normally have that in the south, though, since we've been here, so that's a really good thing. I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 and verses 19 to 24, which we started looking at last week. Last week we started looking at having a right perspective on money and things, and we specifically looked at these few verses in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. It's, it's three chapters, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. It really has almost a, a, um, a summary of practical Christian living and theology all in one sermon. Um, some people have had it memorized. I've tried to memorize parts of it and gotten through about uh, the end of Matthew chapter 5 or close to that. And uh, it's an excellent passage to learn. Uh, it really gives, I think, a summary of what the kingdom of God is all about, what Jesus' ministry was all about. But specifically, he deals in Matthew 6 about a lot about money and about things. And so I want us to continue that. We started that last week. Now, as we begin, I wanted to read just a small section from The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. As this, uh, When I read this, it kind of hit me. I think it, it's kind of struck me, especially with regard to what we've been talking about in Matthew chapter 6. He said, In 1990, I was a pastor of a large church making a good salary and earning book royalties. I had been a pastor for 13 years since the church began. I didn't want to do anything else. Then something happened that turned my family members' lives upside down. I was on the board of a crisis pregnancy center, and we had opened our home to a pregnant teenager, helping her to give up her baby for adoption. We also had the joy of seeing her come to Christ. I felt an even greater burden for the unborn. After searching scripture and much prayer, I began participating in peaceful, nonviolent rescues at abortion clinics. For this, I was arrested and sent to jail. An abortion clinic won a court judgment against a group of us. I told the judge I would pay anything I owed, but I couldn't hand over money to people who would use it to kill babies. This was a matter of conscience. Understand that I have never failed to pay any other debts, nor do I recommend that others avoid paying them. Then I discovered that my church was about to receive a writ of garnishment demanding that they surrender one-fourth of my wages each month to the abortion clinic. The church would have to either pay the abortion clinic or defy a court order. To prevent this from happening, I resigned. And he goes on to tell the story of everything that happened with regard to that and some of the things that he learned as a result of that. Now, when, you, when I hear that, I wonder, could I do something like that? Uh, it, would it be possible for me to do that? Or is my focus on money and things, would it make it too difficult for me to make that kind of a decision? Now, we may not be faced with that sort of a decision like he was, but all of us have to constantly face this whole issue of money because it's something we see every single day. We use money. Uh, we have pressure with regard to money. All of those things, we have lots of things. We have a lot of uh, things that are advertised that we need more things and so forth. And so we all have to think about about having the right perspective on money and the right perspective on things. Now, last week we started looking at this in Matthew chapter 6, and I said in Matthew chapter 6 in verses 19 to 24, there were three principles, really, that Jesus gives us on how to have the right perspective on money and things. We looked at the first one last week. Now, I want to read the passage uh, just those few verses this morning, I'll read the whole thing again, and then I'll review the one we looked at last week, and we'll look at two more principles this week. In Matthew 6, verse 19, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth 
and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for he, he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, last week, we looked at that first principle, and that's all we covered. The first thing that Jesus said was, invest your life and resources in what has eternal value. In other words, don't give all of your time and energy or the, the most of your time and energy to uh, things that don't matter for eternity. Now, we all work jobs. We all have bills that have to be paid. We have to pay the electric bill, all the other utilities. We've got houses. We've got cars we need for transportation. Those things we have to have, they needed things in Jesus' day as well. But Jesus says, don't become so focused on those that you lose, uh, you lose focus on what really matters, and that's what is eternal. Now, he gives two reasons for that in verses 20 and 21. He says, first of all, the things of this earth don't last. Eventually, everything will be destroyed. Peter uh, paints a very vivid picture when he says the elements will melt with fervent heat. And all of this will be nothing eventually. So don't give your life to things that will eventually you'll lose. And even in this lifetime, we lose them. Things corrode, they rust, they're destroyed. So Jesus says, don't give your, your attention to those things, but rather to those things which really matter. And then he says, your treasures will capture your heart. So if you begin to treasure things here, and literally he says, don't treasure up treasure. If you begin to treasure those things, and, and the things of earth become your, your treasure, what's most important to you, your heart's going to follow that. Your heart, just like Solomon, will be turned from God to the things of this earth. And then the, what's really, um, what really matters will not be the thing that's most important to you. Instead, Paul says, addressing those people who are wealthy, which, which is, for us, as I said in America, is all of us, because we all have way more than we need, or for many of us we do. And uh, it applies to me as much as it does to anyone else. But Paul says in 1 Timothy, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be proud or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. So, God may have given us wealth, and we can be thankful for that. God may have given us far more than we need. And, and Paul says God gives us all things richly to enjoy. But he says, don't set your heart on those things. Rather, uh, be rich in generosity. Be rich toward God. And in that way, uh, we can help those who are in need. We can help others with what God has given to us. And so we can, can give to others who need things. And we can be generous in good works and in helping others. And Jesus went on to say in Matthew 25 that the things that we do for others in the name of Christ here on earth are things that, that last for eternity. Those things are never lost. Well, let's look at two more principles then today that Jesus gives in this passage. Uh, the the th- second one is in verses 22 to 23. Jesus says, your view of money and possessions will affect all of your life. Your view of money and possessions will affect all of your life. Now, he gives a kind of an unusual analogy here, maybe not so unusual in verses 22 to 23. He begins talking about the eyes. 
And when you first read this, when he's talking about money, and all of a sudden he, gives, he starts talking about the eyes and being full of light and darkness, and then he goes back to money again, you may think, well, what is that talking about? Why does he suddenly insert that right there? Well, he's giving an analogy from something in physical life that's going to uh, apply or be an application to spiritual life. He says, your eyes may be good. And if your eyes are good, then your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body is full of darkness. Now, all of us understand how important eyes are. Um, As we get older, we may understand even more how important our eyes are um, as we begin to lose some of our sight. We need that for almost everything. You know, I, I love to read, but you need eyes to read, I suppose um, I could, if you're, if you're blind you can learn braille and you can read that way but so many things we depend on the eyes we watch television, we drive uh, we predict danger uh, if we can't see it's difficult to understand those things that are coming, We a whole host of things that we use our eyes for um, and those are, so they're very important, I remember um, when I was, this was probably my last year of college and I was married and uh, I had had poor eyesight all my life, but I'd sort of gotten by. Now, I don't know exactly how I did that, especially I don't know how I passed the eye exam when I got my driver's license. Uh, my eyes kind of suddenly cleared up for just a few seconds, and I was able to read this thing. <laughs> it, it literally did, because I looked into the eye machine, and, and I asked him if it was on. And they said, yes, it is. And I looked in there again and, you know, quarter squinted for a second and it just became clear and I read the numbers really fast and I passed the thing. But I, I really did not have good eyesight um, all throughout high school. But I didn't want to get glasses because I didn't want to be called four eyes and be made fun of and I thought it would ruin my, my image and all of that. Like I had any kind of an image to begin with. But I didn't want glasses, so I didn't. Now... Finally, my last year of college, I started working at a factory, and my wife persuaded me um, that I needed to get glasses. She said, you ought to go to the eye doctor, and and it'll make a difference. So I finally went, and uh, I got my eyes checked, and I got glasses. It was amazing after I got glasses. I didn't know things were so clear. Um, I didn't even imagine that they could be that clear. I you know, I thought, okay, maybe I don't see so well, but I didn't think that things could be that clear. And then later, as about a year later, I got contacts. It was even better because then I wasn't wearing the glasses and you could see really even cl- more clearly. Um, it really changed my whole perspective once I could see. It changed everything. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, if your eyes f- are full of darkness, and what he's talking about is your perspective, how you look at things. If your whole life is focused on money and the importance of money and things, that's where you see all of your importance, then you're really going to be full of darkness. You're going to be going the wrong direction in life. You're going to be blind to everything that's important. But he says if your whole body is full of light, that is, if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. If you have the right perspective on money and things, then you'll be able to see clearly what God's will is and what God wants you to do. And so that's what Jesus is talking about. When our internal eyes are bad, our whole life will be out of kilter. It'll affect everything that we do. When our perspective on money and wealth Uh, is that it's the most important thing, then we won't focus on serving God like we need to. That'll become the main thing. But if we're blinded by the wrong view of money, then our our whole body is going to be full of darkness. We won't be able to see, we won't be able to to live life as God has has intended for us to, and we'll get sidetracked. And we may even get sidetracked so far that that um, money becomes an idol to us. 
And then in that case, we're not even worshiping uh, God as we ought to. Uh, We're worshiping something else. And so Jesus says, don't get focused on those things. That's the wrong perspective. The, The third thing that he says, and this is the last thing we'll look at today, is that you can't serve God and money. You're going to serve God or money but you can't serve both. Now, Jesus actually makes a very strong statement in verse 24, and I want to read that again, because the first time you read it, you can sort of uh, rush over that. But Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. He says, You cannot serve God and money. Now, we may say, Yes, you can't serve God and money. We agree with that. But you notice the kind of wording that he used here. Um, He makes a very strong statement. He says you can't serve two masters. Now, most of us understand that. Uh, If I have a contract on a Major League Baseball team, I couldn't also be under contract for another Major League Baseball team. I mean, it would be impossible. You couldn't, they're in competition with each other. You can't be a a servant to two different different masters, in in that context especially. You can't serve two different masters, and we understand that. Now, some of you may remember, this was years ago, and really when I was in high school, Bob Dylan was popular, and at one point he made a profession of faith, and he wrote a song called, You're Going to Have to Serve Somebody. It may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Now, most of us understand that, and I don't think anybody would try to say, yes, I'm going to try to serve God, and try to serve Satan at the same time. We're not going to do that. We understand that you can't do that. And yet, we often do try to love both God and money. And that is much more of a temptation. But Jesus paints this radical contrast between the two. He actually says here, and this is what what I think is the really almost shocking statement, he actually says, if you love God, you'll hate money. If you're devoted to God, you'll despise money. Now, If I were teaching this, I might have said, well, if you love God, you won't like money as much. But he doesn't say that. He says, if you you can either love God and despise money, that's a term of like intense hatred. And that's not what most of us would say, I don't think. That's not what I would say. That's not the wording I would use. But Jesus wants us to really think about that. It's an either or. You either love God and despise money or hate money. In other words, you don't want to have anything to do with being its slave at all. You may want to, to use money like all of us. We have to, to use money, like we said, to pay bills and, and that sort of thing. But uh, we despise being controlled by it. We don't want it all for it to be our master. And that's the, that's the picture that Jesus is trying to paint here. We don't want to be both. Now, in, in Jesus' own ministry, he came across one person who was exactly like this, a person who wanted to love money and love God at the same time. You remember that? It's the story of the rich ruler in Matthew 19, verses 16 to 26. Uh, the interesting thing about this guy, if you, if you read the story, it says, and we won't read those verses this morning, but it says that he is rich. He's wealthy, has a lot of money, but he also has spiritual concerns because he comes to Jesus and he says, what do I need to do to have eternal life? I want to have eternal life. It looks like he's focused on on spiritual things. 
So he's got lots of money, but he's focused on spiritual things too. He knows that there are things in eternity that are important. He wants to have eternal life. So he knows this life is not all there is. But as Jesus starts talking to them, you begin to see that he has the wrong perspective on money. Because what he really loves more than God is money. And ultimately, Jesus says, because he knows that money is this man's God's, ultimately, he says, what you're going to have to do in order to follow me, and Jesus didn't say this to everybody, but he said, what you're going to have to do in order to follow me is to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And the man would not do it. It says he went away sorrowful because he had great riches. Now, what did he do? He ultimately, when Jesus painted the picture, he thought he was, he was wealthy and serving God at the same time. He even thought he had kept all the commandments. He said that to Jesus. I've kept all the Ten Commandments. I've done that since I was a boy. But Jesus revealed to him that he actually loved money and despised God because when he was confronted with the decision he would have to make, he decided, I'm, lo- I'm going to love money. That's going to be my God, and that's what it's going to be. And he went away sorrowful, but that was his perspective. He loved money, and in, in so doing, he despised God. And so he may have looked spiritual or looked spiritually focused, but he really loved money more than he did love God. So that's, I think that's the kind of person that Jesus is talking about. Now, does that mean we have to sell everything that we have? Are we all called upon to sell everything that we have in order to follow Jesus Christ? Well, we're not called on everything to sell everything. At least not all of us are. There's some of us that are. I've got a, a friend who uh, was a, uh, is a missionary to Indonesia, and when they went about four years ago, they literally sold almost everything they had here in America except for some books and some things that they took with them, and they went to be missionaries in Indonesia uh, where they're working with, uh, with people there, teaching in a school, in a, in a Christian college that's there, and trying to reach um, people who are Muslims with the gospel. Now, he literally sold everything he had. That's what he felt like he, was, he had to do in this case to leave and even leave home and the comfort of the United States to go to a different place to live um, and to serve God. And sometimes God may call us to do that. That may be exactly what we're called to do. And in that case, uh, we would, would sell those things and we would serve God someplace else. But no matter what God calls us to do, we do understand this, that when we're called to follow Jesus Christ, we give everything to him. So uh, whether it's our money, our houses, our cars, whatever it is, we give all of that to God and we say, whatever you want me to do with it is what I'm going to do with it. And it may mean uh, that God is is going to give us great wealth in order to serve other people with it or in order to, uh, I know there are people that that, uh, put a lot of money into organizations that are going to serve people, that are going to help other people, whether it's crisis pregnancies or whether it's uh, helping people with adoptions like Randy Alcorn was doing. Um, God means for us to use what he's given to us to serve him, to use that for eternal purposes. So it may not mean that we're, we're selling everything we have. God's not called me to do that. Um, for some people, it may be. But God does want me to say, you are God. I'm not serving money. My money is all under you, and so I'm going to use what I have to serve you. And that's what I want to do with my life. Now, uh, when I come to the end of this, I always think of, in thinking about how I apply this to myself, I think, are there any kind of questions that I can ask myself 
in order to know, um, am I serving money? Jesus certainly uh, gave a, a statement or a command of the rich ruler that helped him to discern that he was loving money more than he was God. But they're all questions that we can ask ourselves. And I thought about just a few things. Um, first of all, um, if we make a decision to do something wrong in order to protect our, our money or our lifestyle, then really we're more, de- more devoted to money. And their people are always confronted with that. Uh, I read about uh, some people this week. I think it was out in in Oregon, or this past week, uh, some people own a bakery. And they were asked by a homosexual couple uh, to, to... do a wedding cake for all their homosexual marriage ceremony and all that sort of thing since the Supreme Court's decision. They said they couldn't do it. Now, they are risking their income. A, a suit or some kind of a complaint was filed against them with the Chamber of Commerce or whoever it is that, that does all of that in the city where they are. Uh, they risk losing income because of that. But their, their, their focus is we want to do what's right. And I want to do what's right and honoring to God is what they're saying, and it may cost them their income. Well, uh, there, are all t- there are times that we may be faced with that. We could also say, if we purchase things just for status, if we purchase things just for status, uh, just for how it will make us look or for image, then uh, we may be devoted to money. If we can go on vacations, if we can buy things we don't need, which there's nothing wrong with those things, but if we can do that, but we can't give proportionately to the Lord's work, then we are guilty of loving money rather than loving God. And I think if we don't help others who are in need, the Bible talks about this, if we have the opportunity to help someone in need, maybe it's somebody else in the church, maybe it's another Christian brother or sister that we know, and we can help them in need, and we don't, then uh, God actually says we're, we don't love God at all. In fact, we may well love money more than God. First uh, John 3.17, John says this, If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So what is he saying there? He's saying God has given you money, He's given you resources to help other people, and if you can close your heart to other people who are in need, then uh, the love of God does not dwell in you. And in fact, it may well be that we're loving money more than we love God. And I have to ask all those questions myself. I have to ask those of myself. Are these things true of me? Because it doesn't matter how much money I make, I can always be focused on keeping it for myself or doing things just for myself instead of of helping other people or instead of serving God with what I have. And so there may be other questions we can ask as well. We all have to ask ourselves that question. Uh, Where is my focus? Do I really love God? Or do I sometimes move towards loving money or too focused on things that are material? Ultimately, um, Jesus will say in Matthew chapter 6, Um, And verse 36, uh, or verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We're all concerned about the things that we need. And it's not wrong to be concerned about the things that we need or to plan for the future. But ultimately, Jesus says, we need to seek first the kingdom of God. That should be our first concern. And if we do seek first the kingdom of God, then God's going to take care of everything else. And we can trust him with that. But Jesus asks us the question, uh, or really poses the question here, do you serve God or do you serve money? You can, you can serve one or the other, but you can't serve both. 
And I, I would pray for myself that I would have the right focus on money and things. It's so easy not to. We're bombarded with things all the time. You watch uh, TV commercials, and what, what are the commercials about? They're about what you don't have that you need to have. Um, some of those things may be need, needs. Very few of them are. And so the world would like us to get our attention on, all, on, on ourselves and what we need and what we'd like to have and what can make us happy. And what God wants us to do is focus on the kingdom of God and say, I want this to be my first perspective. And Lord, I'll trust you with everything else. And so Jesus says here, have the right focus on money. You need to have the right perspective on money. And ultimately, that's what's going to bring us um, joy in our Christian lives. Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word that you've given to us. We thank you that your word often confronts the ideas that we have. Sometimes we wouldn't think about uh, some of the things that we need to do or the things we need to be thinking about in our lives if you didn't uh, sometimes admonish us with those things and if we didn't read your word and see some of the uh, really stark contrast that you, that you give between what it means to serve you and what it means uh, to serve ourselves. But I pray you'd help us, especially in this area of money, that we would have the right perspective on money and things. I pray that would be true for me and for all of us as believers. In Christ's name, amen.